Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. I'm going to be teaching from the 15th chapter of Luke a little bit, and it's something I've talked about many, many, many times, but I've just been, I just got into it the other day, got to read, got to study it. Jesus said in Luke 15 and 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And while I was reading this chapter, and I, I'm in Luke, but I'm not quite that far in Luke. I'm about Luke 3 or something like that. I, I'm in Exodus, and I'm in Luke. I've started the Bible over again. This time I'm doing both Old Testament and New Testament at the same time. Uh, but <laughs> um, the, um, the interesting thing about this is the that a thought came to my mind. What makes God happy? What makes God happy? And, uh, and I got to look at this. In Isaiah, the Bible says this. For Zion's sake, Isaiah 62 and 1, will I not hold my peace? And for Jer- Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness. And the salvation thereof is the lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness. He's talking about the people of Israel. He's talking about Zion. And, um, and, and he said, And thou shalt be called by a new name. I believe this also, much of the things that we see there in, in a, are transferred, I believe, and, and you can argue with me on that, I don't really care, are transferred, I believe, to the church in many ways. But the Gentiles will see the righteousness and all kings thy glory and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou also be, called, be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more, and this is a neat scripture, thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hebsebal, which means a delight, and the land Beulah, which means to be married, for the Lord delighteth thee, and thy land shall be married. The Lord delighteth in thee. He's saying, you're not going to be forsaken anymore, but I'm going to delight in my union with you. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as a bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. And so the concept here is that God... It's happy when his people are living with and for him yeah. and are in union with him. And so we look at Luke, the 15th chapter, and it's a, an interesting story, an interesting chapter, because it deals with, uh, with three different, what are called parables, but I, I, and they are, they're stories that he, that, uh, 
that uh, Jesus told. And he was said, heaven is like unto this. Or uh, he told a story that, that uh, uh, um, it, this situation is like unto a man. Or a man did that and so on. But uh, we refer to them as parables. I do believe the first two of them are a parable. I'm not so sure the third one is. And I'll get into that. But it, it deals with three scenarios, three situations. And I've talked about them before. I've preached them before. But in each one of them, we see the joy that God and His church. You understand, the church needs to love what God loves. Right. The joy that God and His church feels with the salvation and or the restoration of lost souls. In the first part of the scripture, you see that there is an accusation that is made against Jesus. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now, to kind of get an idea where they are coming from, the religious people of that day were devoid of compassion for the lost. In fact, they despised those that were bound by sin. They would not even teach a sinner. They wouldn't even talk to a sinner. They would have nothing to do with a sinner and a publican or whatever. They, they simply would not have anything to do with him. And they even had an interesting uh, a saying that went this way. There will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. Wow. They, they hated and they were so deep in sin themselves. They wow. just didn't realize that they were legalistic, pharisaical people who were filled with hate and filled with judgment. And there was no love or compassion, compassion or mercy um, in them. And that is a problem at times if we are not careful that a church can manifest. Come on now. Right. Amen. Amen. We, if you're not careful that a church, and I've seen it in times past, a church will manifest that kind of attitude. To be honest with you, though, I'm going to be honest with you. It's been a long time in my life, in my experience, that I have really known people like that. Most of the people that I associate with in this church and in other churches love souls, love sinners, love people, and treat people right. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and that is so important. But we have got to learn to love what God loves and hate what God hates. So we learn to hate Sin, but love the sinner. Right. Amen. That is a scriptural concept. Right. I've heard people say, ah, oh, that's a cliche. It's not a cliche. It is a scriptural concept. In fact, in Jude, the first, in Jude 1, which is only one chapter, but the 22nd verse, and some having compassion, making a difference, there's love for them. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, not hating them, but hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. What he's saying is we reach out. We do whatever we can to pull them out of the fires of damnation. And we do hate something, but we don't hate that person. We have compassion on them. We love them, but we hate 
the filthy, dirty, sinful garments that, that are defiled by the things of the world. Right. Amen. That means that there are people out there that are that are, are terrible, terrible people who do terrible, terrible things. And they irritate you. And they frustrate you. And you don't like them. But God has called us not to hate them. But to save them. Sometimes with compassion. Sometimes with fear. But doing what we can to bring them to an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. But we don't ever, 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 ever condone the sin. The sin can never be condoned. Amen. But there are three parables in. So here we have Jesus. He's over there. People coming around to talk to him and listen to him. And, and, and he, he comes here. And, um, and they said, well, look at this guy. He, he eats with sinners and he uh, cavorts with them and he runs around with them and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and how can he call himself a rabbi? How can he call himself a preacher of the gospel when he hangs around with sinners? Bless God, church, if you don't need to, there's a difference between, let me see how to say this. There is a difference, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try, between reaching sinners and loving sinners and being in fellowship with sinners. There is a difference in, in, in that. I have known preachers that have walked into a bar took the arm of a backslider and said, we're going out of here. Amen. And walked them out. And they, they walked in there because they loved them and they were there to save them. But if they sat down with them and said, let's have a beer, they would have been in fellowship right. with their sin. There's a difference. Amen. Amen. And, and sometimes there's a thin line there that you've got to watch out for. Because you can slip over the top of that line. Occasionally, so occasionally you have to do what you got to do, and sometimes you have to walk away because you don't want to be in fellowship. Amen. And so we have to be very careful about that. And so they said he, he associates with sinners. Well, of course they do. Every Christian associates with sinners. How are you going to win them if you don't associate with sinners? Right. How are you going to teach them the gospel if you don't associate with, with them? But be careful that you don't fellowship with them. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So there is there or fellowship with their ways. Amen. So there are three parables or three stories, and I think that uh, uh, that we could call them in some ways they're parables. Um, but there are three parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep. There's the parable of the lost coin. And then there's, there's the parable of the lost or the prodigal son. Now, you've, um, you've heard these and I've preached on them. And some of the things that I'll mention here are, um, are, are things I've talked about before. But, but when we begin to look at them, I'm going to break them down. And I'm, not, I'm going to try to do this reasonably quickly. Um, the, the lost sheep is simply a lost person. Maybe it's one that has never been. Or has wandered away, or whatever the case be, it might be. But they've wandered into the wilderness of sin, and they simply are incapable of, of finding their way out of that by themselves. They, we do know that, that uh, every individual, that self-determination has a tremendous amount of, of, of a 
impact on our salvation. But there are some times in people's life that they are just so stinking lost. They don't know how to get out of there. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. And, and they're just there. This is why the Bible says that the shepherd went out and actively sought it. Jesus said this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he began to actively look for the lost sheep. I heard a pastor one time. His philosophy was this. If God wants them to come, he will send them. Amen. If God wants them to come, he'll send them. So he didn't teach Bible studies. He didn't, he didn't go out and knock doors. He didn't reach out to people. He didn't do salsa fest. He didn't do any of that kind of stuff. It wasn't here. He didn't do any of that. And the, the church was just dwindling down until another pastor came in. And he's building and working like crazy. But what's interesting is this man was a businessman in his community. And his clients don't even know that he is a preacher or a pastor of a church. So um, that's really a problem. The shepherd went out and actively sought this ignorant, helpless sheep. And when he, the Bible says this, when he found the lost sheep. Here's what the scripture says about us who, are, who were lost. And when we were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. When we were without strength, what did the shepherd do? The shepherd went over. He picked up the sheep because the sheep had reached a point that it was unable to do anything on its own. Have you ever been so weak you can't do anything? Some of y'all know how that is. Brother Raymond does. He spent enough time in the hospital. He knows how it is. I know right after COVID, I can brush my own teeth. They came in, they said, here's a brush, here's some stuff. I said, could you brush my teeth for me? Because I can't lift the toothbrush. I know how it is to be so weak, you're completely helpless. And the sheep was in that situation. There are people in the world that have no ability other than to say, yes, is the only thing. They could, they could say yes. They have no ability to help themselves. Somebody has got to pick them up and put them over their shoulder and carry them to a place of safety. And so, and the thing that happened, and you see this every time in each situation here, the shepherd rejoiced. What makes God happy? Picking up a lost sheep, putting over his shoulder, and taking him back to a place of safety. That makes God happy. Then there's the lost coin. And this is an interesting story here. He said, and, and, and I'll tell you something, my cousin preached, and I've, I've mentioned this before, my cousin Randy preached a message years ago, Tito. It was one of the best messages that I've heard, I heard him preach. It was called Lost in the House. And, uh, and it was a fascinating message. And the premise of that message, it was a great message, was that the coin was a person sitting on the pews but lost. And uh, they, they had just become lost in the house. And, and you, you look at that. The, the sheep wandered away. It was in danger out there in the wilderness. Wolves and coyotes and bears and lions could eat it. But the coin was lost in the house. It never went outside the doors of the house. It never wandered down the streets. It never rolled off, uh, you know, like the meatball off the plate of spaghetti and out the door. Amen. None of that. But, uh, 
Uh, it didn't do that. It just was lost in the house somewhere. And as I begin to study this, I noticed a couple things. For one thing, you, you notice that, that what the, the woman did was she began to search for the lost coin. And, and in both of these situations, you see the desperation of the searcher. And that should say something to us. The desperation of the searcher. He leaves the 99 sheep and he heads out into the wilds, into the dangers, into all the situations of the wilderness. Any kind of danger because he's looking for the lost sheep. There's desperation there. Every time somebody gets lost somewhere in the, in the desert or in the mountain, search and rescue, they love it. Oh, yeah, somebody's lost. Here we come. You know they love it. But, uh, but there's a desperation there. They're headed out into the mountains. Uh, we're going to find that guy. They climb up and down hills. Or a lot of them might know they just drive along in their four-wheelers. They couldn't climb the hill if they had to. But uh, <laughs> I know something like that. But they climb up and down the hills. And they look until they find. And it's like, we've got to do that now. We know they enjoy it, but there's a desperation there. Because they've got to find somebody. They were looking for this Gabby girl trying to find her. I don't, I'm not paying much attention. But you find these things. You hear these things. Somebody's lost. We've got to find them. Crowds of people go. They begin to go looking for a kid. You, you've seen it before where the kid's lost or the kid has been, has been uh, got out there and they're, they're, they're lost in the, in the forest and, and they, they walk along in lines and they're, 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 they're you know, trying to find this kid. There's desperation. You see the desperation. You see the desperation of this woman that she has lost her, her coin or her piece of, of silver and, and she's taking a candle and she's taking a, a broom and she's looking everywhere that she can amen, to try to find that thing. And here's something that's interesting. The sheep was lost because it wandered off. We look at the prodigal. The prodigal was lost. Because he made a conscious decision. And we'll talk about that. But here's something that caught my attention. The lost coin was lost. By the lady. The lost coin was lost. By the lady. Now. Um, the Bible speaks of the. As the church is the bride. And so we look at God who is the Father. And we look at Jesus who is the bridegroom. And we look at the church as the bride. And we kind of look at this thing. You can make the correlation here. That this is the church. The house of the church. The, 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 basically the confines of the church. Not the building, but the church. The lady is symptomatic or type of it, if you will, of the church. But the coin has been lost. And it's been lost by the church. Because something has happened that caused that coin to be lost. A coin does not lose itself. Right. A coin doesn't climb out of the drawer and run down and hide under the dresser drawers. They don't do that. Maybe she had laid it somewhere and forgot about it. Maybe she had had it. Maybe her husband had... had made her mad and she threw it at her. Um, maybe she had um, just forgotten where it was or, or was cleaning some stuff up and inadvertently knocked it off and it fell somewhere. 
She gathered her coins together, and and it may have been a penny. It may have been more than a penny. You know, when they talk about a penny in the uh, in the Bible, a penny isn't a penny like today. A penny is worth nothing, basically. But back then, a penny was a day's wages. When they handed you a penny, that was a day's wages. You work all day long, you get a penny, and it's. And so when you had the alabaster box that was broken, this 300 pence worth, that was like almost a year's, well, it was a year's worth of wages. When you, when you factor in, when, actually when you factor in the, uh, the Sabbath and that sort of thing, it was a year's worth of wages. It was, it was a lot of money. The alabaster box would be worth $50,000 in today's wages. For some of you, maybe 25, some 35, some 50, several of you, maybe 100. No, there ain't 150 here. I'm going to do that. But that it, it was a year's wages. It, it was a year's wages. So, so she lost that coin, and that may have been worth hundreds in today's dollars, hundreds and hundreds, or even being silver, thousands of dollars. Who knows? She had to find that. She understood the value of that coin. She understood that that coin meant livelihood. It meant things to her. So she began to search for it. But remember, there was a reason that it was lost. I'm going to tell you something, church, something we need to remember. Is we need to watch what our behavior is, what we do, what we say, how we act with people. We don't ever want to be the stumbling block right. that causes someone to begin to lose out with God. Yes, now. Lord, amen. Now I'm going to say this right now. When you stand before God, if somebody offended you, God's not going to give you a pass. If you, if you walk away from God, you're going to say, well, Brother Joe, Brother so-and-so offended you, and so I'm going to let you into heaven because you were offended. It doesn't work that way. We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be judged for what we did in this body. Amen. We are going to be judged. We're, the other person might be judged for what they're judged for, for what they did, but we're going to be judged for what we did. So you're going to be responsible for what you do. Is your, name, is your, is your name in the land of the life? That's not going to be up to me. It's not going to be up to Brother Raymond. It's going to be up to you and, and, and God. Right. If you serve him, it'll be there. So, but still, we've got to be very, very careful about how we operate. Amen. And what we do because it is the, the, the responsibility of the church to care for the valuable things that God has given it. Amen. And not only that, but God has given us the tools to recover people. She took the candle, took the word of God, if you will, and she began to take the, the, the broom and she began to apply, cleaning, moving things around, doing what she needed to do until she found that. So there are tools that the church can use. Love, encouragement, amen, the light of the word, teaching, discipling, to recover those that are lost, Amen. The third one, and I'm moving along so I can try to get down with this in a reasonable time. The third one is, of course, the prodigal son. Now, I think, personally, and this isn't true in every situation, but I think, personally, that when the Bible says a certain man, that many times, not every time, but many times, it is referring to a real person. There was a certain rich man that died and went to hell. And Lazarus died. The Bible even gives a name there. Yeah. 
And, and you'll find it over and over. In fact, I went through this. A certain man. There's two or three instances where the Bible says he told a parable and said a certain man. He may have even still been in that parable of amusement. But it seems like it's signifying that this was a real story. And, and that, that when I, I suspect that what happened was he just said, there was a certain man. And their ears perked up. And like, I wonder who he's talking about. And he said, this certain man had two sons. And one of them came and said, Dad, I want my inheritance. I want my, uh, I want that. I want to take it now. And some of them thought, I know who that is. That's my suspicion. Because I really believe this is not a parable, but it is actually a story about someone. And which makes it even more interesting. And so they, the, the, the scripture says that, that he, he went and he came to Dad and he said, I want my inheritance now. And then he went into a far country. Somebody told me, I was talking to somebody today, and, and they and I was and I was and while I was studying, they called me on the phone. And um, and we began he said, What are you doing? I'm studying. I'm studying for now. He said, What are you studying on? I said, Well this. I began to throw some things out there. He said, You know what I've, I've always thought? He said, I've always thought, and this is just an interesting thing. He said, I've always thought. That the far country that the prodigal son went to was Decapolis. Now, Decapolis is the land on the other side of Jordan and on the other side of the, Gal the Sea of Galilee. The reason it's called Decapolis is because De Deca means ten, and there were ten cities there. They were very, very, very sinful cities filled with idolatry and all of that kind of stuff. And one of the one of the interesting things is is one of the industries of Decapolis was swine. They were pig farmers. In fact, when Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee and ended up in Gadara, which was part of Decapolis, there was a herd of swine there. So, um, so you've got this, this interesting situation here. Can everybody hear me all right? Am I, am I yelling on the... Um, my wife's always saying... You have to talk so loud. But it's me, baby. I can't hear. I can't help. <laughs> um, but so here, here we have, which is probably a real situation. Maybe a real situation that they know about. And, uh, and, and here he says he went into a far country. I want you to understand several points I want to make here. The prodigal son made his own bed. Right. Nobody made him do this. He, uh, he, he made the decision to do it. Amen. I, the Bible doesn't say so, but I would imagine that the father tried to dissuade him from doing it, but he was not going to listen. Amen. When he left, the father did not chase after him. Right. That's the thing about a prodigal. It's just not even worth your while to chase him around. Because they made their decision. This is what they're going to do. They have to make their decision to come back. Amen. Right. And, and so the only way for this man. He went and he squandered his inheritance on righteous living. He took the things that his father had, had given him. And he blew it on righteous living. The things that he had. Amen. I've watched him go. The, the blessings that God has given and they've blown it on the things of the world.
Yeah. And blown it on the things of the world. I was, uh, some years ago, I was, uh, uh, I'll catch a question later, later son. Um, some years ago, I was um, working for a company, and it's actually in Phoenix, but I was living in California. It's been a lot of years ago. And I, um, I happened, I flew back to Phoenix for some seminars. And we went and we, uh, we sat all day while they were training us to do what we were doing. And, um, and then afterwards we went to really nice restaurants to eat. I'm going to tell you what, some of the best meals I ever ate were, were with this company because they did not cut any corners. We didn't go to McDonald's, man. I ate a 32-ounce porterhouse one night. Mesquite grilled. It was one of the best. 32 ounces. I ate the whole thing. It was so good. It was a sin, but it was so good. 32 ounces, guys. I, I eat a six-ounce steak now, and it's sufficient. 32 ounce pour out. But, uh, and I ate the... And I ate the, uh, I ate the, the, the vegetables and the, uh, the uh, potato and the fried rock steak and the fried Rocky Mountain oysters and um, it was quite a meal. Probably some dessert too. But uh, I remember going that day and there was a guy, there was a guy with us, he worked with us, he was from somewhere else. He began to talk, and I looked at him, and I thought, I told him, I looked at him, I said, you strike me, he was drinking beer, you know, and stuff, I said, you strike me as a preacher for some reason, something about you says preacher, and he looked funny, he said, well, I'm a fallen preacher, and he had taken, that thing did not leave him. He still had that, but he had squandered it. Right. Kind of made me feel a little, feel, made me feel bad. Yeah. And, and he, he, he had been, but I mean, the, the way he spoke, the things he did, it's like, I'm looking, I'm sitting across a super nice guy. And I thought, I'm thinking preacher. Just crazy how that went. But you see this happen. So he went and he squandered it. And on the things of the world, he riotous living party. He had a great time. And then he hit bottom. At this point, desperation sets in. And this is what happens to a prodigal. Desperation sets in at some point. I'm going to tell you all something. Um, I, I have a relative that, I have a brother, who he will, he, his life has just been terrible. And he said over and over again, and it makes him mad, my dad would say, Conrad, the way of the transgressor is hard. And it made him so mad. But the problem was, is the way of the transgressor is hard. Sooner or later, it catches up with you. You might be a billionaire, but it's going to catch up with you. At some point, it's going to catch up with you. It may not be on this side. It may be on the other side of the grave, but it's going to catch up with you. And so... Um, Somewhere along the line, you find yourself in a situation. 
I wonder about men like like uh, um, uh, uh, Charles Darwin or Chris Hutchins, Hitchens or uh, some of these. I don't think, know if he died, but one of them did. I wonder about men like this. I wonder what they think when they lay on their bed. I was watching an interview the other day with Larry. Larry King was interviewing somebody else, and he said, death worries me. He was an atheist. He said, death worries me. Yeah, I guess so. My brother's scared to death of COVID. Why is he scared of COVID? Because he's decided there is no God. Yeah, yeah. And he's a hermit in his yeah. house, and he lives in fear. That's true. Um, so, here's the prodigal. Now, the prodigal knows what's right, but he is completely lost. He, he is he's crazy. He's out of his mind. Literally, he's out of his mind. He's completely out of his mind. He's here in probably what was Decapolis. And he is, he's completely messed up. And he finds himself, he hires himself out to the guy. You know, he's right below the tombs. And the demoniac is up there. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but there's swine out there. And he's trying to feed the swine. And here's what happens. Whenever you fall that far, then you begin to try to indulge yourself with the feel of the world right. to satisfy yeah. your desperation. Right. The scripture refers in this, it, it, it's, it, it says this, let me see if I can find the scripture in 2 Peter 2 22, but it, it's happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed in her wallowing, washed to her wallowing in the mire. In other words, they're going to the lowest of the low, and this was the prodigal son. He was, he was trying to eat the things. He was desperate. You see a meth addict. Mm -hmm. They don't care if it's cut with everything that will kill them. Yeah. Because they're desperate. Drugs, alcohol, um, all of that stuff makes people lose their minds. Yeah. They are under control of that stuff. And they lose their minds. I drove, I'm going to tell you all something. I drove into L.A. not too long ago. I've seen the videos, but I saw it in reality. There, were, there, were, there was one woman I saw. She was doing this. She was so spun out. There were people laying. There were hundreds, thousands of homeless on the streets where we were driving through. It was, it was like I had never... I've seen a lot in Los Angeles, but, but I've never seen it like I saw it the other day. There were people laying out. There was one woman. I told you sometime back how we found a dead woman in the bushes in Ventura. But there was one woman, I think woman or man, and, and for all I know, she was dead laying on the sidewalk. Nobody's doing anything about it. And, and there were people scattered. They were, they were, they were just desiccated. They were, they were, they were in, turned in on themselves. They were messed up. They were in the hog pen. Drugs and, and all of that had just eaten their minds away. Because that's what sin does. That's why we need God so yeah. much. Sooner or later, let me tell you something. You mess with that stuff. It will eat this away until you're worthless. Right. I've seen too many of them. And so, here he is. He's in the, he's wallowing in the mire. He's trying to, to 
take care, satisfy his need. He's desperate. And at this point, he comes to himself. At this point, a glimmer of sanity shines through the insanity that the prodigal son is living in. He is, and, and that, that sort of thing. Brother, um, who is the Sunday school secretary from uh, Brother Allen's church? Uh, uh, that one guy. Vallejo. Brother Travis Vallejo. That one guy, yes. Brother Travis Vallejo. He told me that when he came to the Lord, he was a meth addict. He was baptized and filled the Holy Ghost. He lasted about two days. He fell back into it. For two years, he, he, was, he, he was in that situation. For two years. He was, he, they lost their children. Him and his wife both were in it. They lost their children. They lost everything. And somewhere in there, a flash of sanity came through. The insane life that he was living in. Today he's been living for God. He's licensed minister. God is so good to Brother Travis Vallejo. He's, and, and so he knows what he's, what, what, where he's come from. And, and, uh, but here's the prodigal son. Here he is. Suddenly something breaks through. You know what? I'm sitting here in the hog pen. And the servants in my father's house live better than I do. And he said... I'm going home. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the decision. I, I've watched prodigals bounce close, bounce around, wander around the edges, and they're not serious. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you something else, okay? I want you to know something, and I want you to think about this. The most difficult people sometimes to love are prodigals. They're frustrated. Come on. When they leave, sometimes they wreak havoc. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying? And so it's hard. But that didn't make any difference to the Father. Right. That's right. Because he loved him. Yeah. Church, you've got to love them. Come on now. You may be as irritated as you may be. You may sometimes want to take them and, and twist their inner head off their body, but you got to love them. Right. Come on. Someday God's mercy and help. Jesus. They're going to cover themselves oh, in the bottom of the hog pit and say, That's Jesus. what I want. I'm tired of living where I've lived and being what I've been. I'm tired of this life. It's not doing anything for me. I remember what it was like in the Father's house. I remember the presence of God. I remember the feeding at the table of God. And they'll make their way back. And when that happens, you don't meet him at the door and say, oh, I don't know about you. Come on now. You run to them. And, and, and the father, if he had wandered off to the neighboring city and sent a message to dad and said, hey, dad, I'm in a hog pen. I need some money. Dad would have said, you know, <laughs> I'm telling you, he wouldn't have sent him money. Get a job. Get a job. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm doing in the hog pen. I need more money. Get a better job. Get out of the hog pen. But, but, he, he would have, but whenever he headed back, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. If a uh, saint of God needs to be discerning about this, when they come back, uh, you look there, the father saw him coming, and he knew this was the real deal. Yeah, come on and now. he ran to meet him. You better be prepared. 
That guy's irritated. Dang, I'm tired. I'm going to run to meet him. Throw my arms around him. Kill the fatted guy. It's time for a barbecue. Right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm going to close with this. I just, it's just something that's been on my mind. Here's an interesting thing. The elder brother. We talk about the prodigal only. We talk about the elder brother. None of us like the elder brother. The elder brother's a type of the Pharisees. The elder brother's just a bad guy. He's just a terrible, terrible guy. Pharisees weren't always bad people. They didn't start out bad. That's right. And the way Jesus talked about it, they stayed in the father's house here. And so here's the older brother. The older brother comes in. He hears all the singing stuff. Or he hears the singing. He sends his servant says, what's going on? And he comes back and says, your younger brother's home. And he killed the fatty cow. Put a robe on his shoulders. Everybody's happy to dance and sing. Yeah. And I've mentioned this a couple times in the last few days. Some things are not justified, but some things are understandable. You know, they just are. You know, if a, if a man walks in and, and finds his wife with the other fella and shoots him, it's not justified, but it's understandable. <laughs> 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 you, you understand? You have to, he's going to go to jail. But you can kind of understand why he did it. But uh, so, so there are some things that are, that are not justified. But you can understand why a person feels that way. And he looks in there and he's like, man. You never killed the fatty calf for me. But he already got it. He can go kill the own fatty calf. You got everything that's all yours. Everything that happens here. Now here's what's interesting about the situation. He was upset. He was not just upset. He was mad. He's fiery mad. I ain't even going inside. I didn't want to see my brother. Yeah. So what does the father do? The father comes out and he treats him, the Bible says. Yeah. Because sometimes outreach also involves little inreach. Yeah. Sometimes we gotta love people who just are on the wrong side of the bed today. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Because someday you're going to get up on the wrong side of the bed and you're going to need somebody to love you too. Say it. Say it. Come on. He says, come on, man. Your brother's been lost. Let me tell you what's happened. He's been lost. Everything I have is yours. You know, I'm going to give him a good time. He's going to have a good thing. But really, everything I have is yours. He already squandered his stuff. But everything I have is yours. You have access to everything. Come on in and have a good time. We're going to have a party. We're going to party on you right now. And, uh, but, but, but he reached out to him. Why, why did he do that? Because the father loved both of his sons. Exactly. Think about that. He loved them both. He, he loved his older son. He loved his younger son. He had the best of both worlds. Because hopefully the older guy said, okay, let's go. I'm all right. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are worthy. Lord, I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. God, I'm thankful for your mercy and your grace. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Lord. I love you, Lord. Aren't you glad for the mercy? Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Aren't you glad?